We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit mbcocala.com stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Today, we're hearing a message from our series entitled Filter. Whether or not we are aware of it, our beliefs color the way we view reality. They set our priorities, make our decisions, and determine our outcomes. At Meadowbrook, we believe the best outcomes stem from having a biblical worldview. How's everybody doing? It's good to see you. Hey, get, real quick, don't, don't sweat. We're going to go back into worship, okay? Because I know there might be some of you who are like, man, I came to worship and we only sang two songs. We're done. Don't worry. We're going to go back into a special time of worship tonight before we end. But if you're joining us for the first time tonight, my name's Lee Gilligan. I'm one of the assistant pastors. And I say it every time, but it's because I mean it. It's always an honor, a privilege, and a joy to be able to, to fill in uh, in this pulpit and to share things that I believe God has put on my heart. Not my words. Not, not, not things that I've come up with, but the truths of Scripture that God wants to speak to you where you're at. So we're glad you're with us tonight. Uh, but before we do anything else, why don't you go ahead and help me welcome our online audience. Thank you so much for being with us and joining us for Church Online. It's going to be a good one. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm so thankful for technology. I'm so thankful for the, the ability that we, we don't just get to minister to the people that are right here, but uh, that technology, we can extend our reach through the live stream, through the archive, uh, through uh, mobile app and podcasts and so many different ways that are available. So if you've never taken advantage of those, I encourage you to do so on our website. Uh, and those are all free to you 24-7 because we want the message to, to be readily available wherever you're at. Amen. Well, I want to remind you of one thing. I was going to remind you of some other things, but Pastor Sean hit everything on the list as far as growth track and baptisms and all that. So thank you, Sean. And, uh, but I do want to remind you of one other thing. The next two Wednesdays, not tonight, but the 20th and the 27th, Pastor Alicia, my beautiful mother, she will be uh, teaching a two-part series called God Saw This Day. And uh, do we have any ladies in the house? Got a few of them. Uh, if you were at the last Heart of Woman, I think it was last month, she shared this message, and she's kind of taken it and retailoring it to uh, be something that, that would appeal to everyone who would be present for these two nights. And so I encourage you, grab someone, bring them with you. I believe God is going to speak to you through what she has to share, and you're going to be blessed for that. Amen? Well, talking about stuff coming up and, and things going on, lots of stuff to remember you know, here at church, but I know in your own lives you've got a lot of things going on that you're trying to remember and, uh, you know, me, I use a calendar linked to my email, you know, Microsoft Outlook. And you may have a, a different calendar that you use. But the advantage of that is I can put everything in my digital calendar. And then it is, you know, whether I'm on my phone or my iPad or my computer, all those things are there. I'm, I have access to them. And so when you create an event or a, a, a meeting or, or, you know, whatever it is in your calendar, it by default will create a, like a 15-minute reminder. You all know what I'm talking about? So that if it was a doctor's appointment, 15 minutes prior to that, your phone will ding and say doctor's appointment. So that's the default. Um, and, and for some of you, that may be enough. That's kind of how I am with my alarm clock. I can set one alarm in the morning, and usually I'll get up before it even goes off. My wife, on the other hand, she'll set like one alarm, and then she's got like six backup alarms. So that if, <laughs> if she misses the first one, she's got other ones, you know, fail safe. But with my calendar, I like to add multiple reminders. I have like an hour before reminder, the day of reminder, 
day before reminder, two days before reminder, week before, two weeks. Because, you know, when you have a lot going on, it's important to keep it all in front of you and to, to, to be ready for what's coming your way. So whether it's a speaking engagement or a meeting or a bill that I have due or whatever it is, I like to know. And I like to have margin and keep those things in front of me as reminders. So earlier today, I'm sitting there and I get this reminder on my phone and it says, teeth cleaning in two weeks. Yay, right? <laughs> teeth cleaning. I don't, I don't know that anyone really likes, likes the dentist, but growing up, I actually, I did like the dentist. Um, you know, for me, it was an excuse to get out of school and you always got a new toothbrush and, you know, some stickers, you know, they always gave you stuff. So I used to like the dentist. And you may be sitting there and, and you say, not me. The dentist has always been a traumatic thing. I, I get nervous just thinking about it. Are there any of you like that? Okay, a lot of people get afraid of the dentist. Well, I was, I was fine with the dentist until about five and a half, six years ago. And it was a Sunday afternoon, sitting on the couch, I'm eating gummy bears. I don't even eat gummy bears, but someone had given them to me. And I was eating these gummy bears, and all of a sudden, my back left molar on my bottom tooth cracked in half. Eating a gummy bear. I felt this sharp thing, and all of a sudden, I had half a tooth. I don't know where the other half was. I, I, I swallowed it or something. So I'm like, this is not good. It cracked my molar in half. So I make an appointment to go to the dentist, and if you've ever had a crown, they fit you for the crown, and then they put a temporary one on, and while they make the real one, then you, you come back in a couple weeks and they put that on. So somewhere in between me getting my temporary crown and my actual crown, the tooth got all flared up, the nerve was going crazy, and I had to get a root canal as well. So it was a traumatic couple of weeks, and during one of those appointments, I had a panic attack. Like, I've never had a panic attack. Uh, I've never, like, felt that. And all of a sudden, I just, I remember feeling super claustrophobic. And I broke out in, like, a cold sweat. My heart was racing. I, I couldn't catch my breath. The dentist was even like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. But in my mind, I'm like, am I? I just got this panicky feeling. And so once all that was done, I, it, it kind of scarred me. And so up to this point, I never cared about the dentist. And now all of a sudden, I wanted to do anything but go to the dentist. And so being vulnerable with you, for five and a half years, I did not go to the dentist. Five and a half years. My mom's probably watching online thinking, what on earth? I did not raise him that way. <laughs> and, I, and I made excuses, but ultimately what it boiled down to was this sense of worry that was now associated with that event. And I thought, if I go back to the dentist, what if I have another panic attack in the chair? Or what if I have to get another root canal? If I don't go, then I don't got to worry about it, right? And so I, I have dental insurance. It, it's, you know, I have a good dentist. It, I had no good excuse other than the fact that I was letting my worry control me. And it was this last, like, September or October. One day it just hit me. I was like, you know what? This is so stupid. I've let worry hold me back from taking proper care of my teeth. It's, it's ridiculous. And so maybe you don't worry a, a, about the dentist. Maybe you worry about other things. And just to, just to update you, my teeth were actually pretty good. For, for going five and a half years, I had a pretty good checkup. Only had to get a couple fillings. I, I was proud. But, but that's, that, that's besides the point. You probably worry about a host of all kinds of things. And if I were to ask you the things that you worry about on a day-to-day basis, I think we would hear maybe a lot of similar things, a lot of things unique to you. The point is that as people, we worry. We worry, and this, the, the sad thing about worry is that we think that somehow thinking about it and, and worrying about certain things that we're somehow in control or we have the upper hand, but really our worry changes nothing about the situation. It, it only robs us of what we have. Our worry doesn't change anything for the better. It, it only robs us. Worry is a thief. So, you know, a lot of people worry about, about money and, and finances and, and their wealth and 
And, and the crazy thing about worry is you may be sitting good financially, but if you're worrying about it, you can't even enjoy what you have because you're so focused on the worry. Amen. It could be your health, and you're worried about your health and staying in good health. And, and looking at it, you actually may be a healthy person, but you spend so much time worrying about your health that it's affecting your health. And one day, God forbid, you face something serious, you'll look back and be like, wow, I wasted all that time where I was perfectly healthy. I didn't enjoy my health because I was so worried about something happening to me. Worry is a thief. And here's the deal. It changes nothing around us, but it creates chaos within us. Worry changes nothing around you, but it, it has this way of creating complete chaos within you. When you worry about a thing, your worry doesn't damage the thing you're worrying about. It damages you. It damages you physically, spiritually, emotionally, and in so many ways that sometimes we don't even realize all the ways that it is weighing on us and the long-term effects that it can bring. I read recently there's some medical research that shows worry breaks down your resistance to disease. So if you're worried about your health, your worry is actually making that worse. Worry diseases the nervous system, the digestive organs, and the heart. That's why, why people who are, are consumed with stress and anxiety may end up having a heart attack or have ulcers. It's linked to worry. Worry is one of the biggest causes of unhappiness and sleepless nights. And so just talking about some of this, realizing that worry changes nothing in our lives and, and seeing the negative effects it takes on our bodies, I would ask the question, why do we worry? Knowing this, why do we worry, but yet we still worry? And so obviously tonight, guess what I'm talking about? Worry. We're going to talk about worry. As I was preparing, I just felt that it was something uh, really weighing on me that, that I needed to address. And it was probably nine or ten months ago I spoke on this same topic. I, I shared a message called Worry Not. And I just felt like I was to go back and to reemphasize it because, uh, let, let's be real, I've worried since nine or ten months ago. As, as much revelation as God made it, might have gave me through that teaching, uh, you, you drift back to certain places, it's, and it's important that you are reminded again of what the Word of God says about certain things, specifically worry. So I don't know, but I'm willing to, to bet. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would say that some of you have worried in the last nine or ten months. So let's call this routine maintenance. Certain topics I think are, are, are worthy of, of touching again and again, over and over. Um, kind of like at your house, you, you change your air filter, and then a month goes by and you have to change it again. And you say, well, I just changed it. But guess what? It, it's dirty again. So, so you've got to change it. So that's kind of, what, kind of what we're doing. My dad's philosophy has always been this. He's taught for years uh, readdressing a lot of the same topics. But he has made a vow to never just reteach something verbatim, but to let God speak fresh life into that. So tonight we're not going to eat yesterday's manna. We're going we're gonna to look at some principles uh, of God that are timeless and I want to share some new things with you that I think will be a huge help to you in regards to worry. Could you use that tonight? Amen. Amen. Well, before we, we really break down into the text that I want to address with you, I think if we're going to talk about any subject, I want to know what Jesus has to say about it. Uh, he, he was the, most, the wisest teacher to ever walk the face of, of the planet. And, and, and his words breathe life into us today. And if we are Christians, followers of Christ, then we need to know what he has to say about living this life that we've been given. Now, prior to Jesus and prior to the establishment of the early church, prior to the New Testament and the New Covenant, go, going to old school, everything used to just be about rules. There was rules. Do this, don't do that. There was not much relationship involved. And so when Jesus came, he brought about a new covenant. He kind of turned everything on its head. 
And, and, and when the early church was established, it became not so much about rules as it was the work that Jesus did on the cross. It was more about love than the rules. But it's important to note that Jesus did not throw out all the rules. In fact, he added some new commandments. But here, here is the difference to that, is that Jesus wasn't just saying, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. But because of what he did, because of what he came to do, he didn't just ask us to do these things. But through his ministry and through what he did on the cross, he empowers us to actually walk out what it is he's called us to do. That's the difference. And so when you study his ministry, and, and, and specifically like looking at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it says that the crowds were amazed by him. They, they, they followed him from town to town. They wanted to know what Jesus had to say because he spoke as one, Scripture puts it, he spoke as one who had authority. They'd heard religious teachers. They'd heard about the rules. But Jesus brought something different. And so I want to go to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 25 through 34. And this is nine simple verses that I believe may be the most succinct statement on worry and why we should not waste our life worrying. So Jesus says this. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add even a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? You see the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these." If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? In verse 31, he says this again. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, they run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, for the third time, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What does he say three different times in those nine verses? Do not worry. Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, our Savior, the one who made it possible for us to have relationship with the Father— He's telling us, do not worry. That right there, without explanation, should be enough reason for us not to worry. But we know that it's, it's not that simple, right? There, there's a lot to it. And we, and we justify our worries and we're, we're, we're wrestling with real deal problems. And so I would kind of want to go through uh, these nine verses and kind of read them again, unpack them, and look at what Jesus is saying and how it relates to what we're going through. Now our pastor, he's made this statement before where he says the biggest problem with prayer is that we don't. The biggest problem with your prayer life is that you don't have one or you're not cultivating one. The biggest problem with praying is that we're not. You know, we're so good about focusing on our problem and talking about it to ourselves and to others and getting everyone else's input, and so many times we don't take it to God in prayer. James 4, 2 says you have not because you ask not. What, what would happen if we just stopped all, all the noise, all the other effort, and we just asked God, if we just prayed about it. That, that, that makes a huge difference. Our future is paved in prayer, and the biggest problem with prayer is that we don't. So I would, keeping that same 
thought process in mind, I think the biggest problem with worry is that we do. If the biggest problem with prayer is that we don't, the biggest problem with worry is that we do. It's that we're worrying. Jesus says, don't worry. And what are we doing? We're worrying. That's the biggest problem with worry is that we spend so much time engaging in it. Worrying. And the scary thing is this, that while a lot of the things you're worried about may not be a reality yet, I think if you, out of fear, stay fixated on those things, a lot of the things you fixate on and focus on and worry about, they can actually materialize and happen in your life. And I don't want to play with that. I don't want to waste time investing energy and emotion and thought into things that I never want to see come to pass in my life. So don't worry. Okay, and so let's, let's go back to verse 25. And Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. And so there are three specific things he tells them not to worry about. Do not worry about what you will eat. Do not worry about you, what you will drink, and do not worry about what you will wear. Don't worry about your clothes. And so you, you may be here tonight, and you say, you know what? I ate breakfast today. I'm hydrated. I, I have clothes on. At least I hope you have clothes on. And you're saying, I'm, I'm not worried about these things. These, these don't pertain to me. Jesus was, he was addressing a certain group of people. These were issues of the day. The, the point is not so much what they wor- were worrying about as much as it is Jesus is saying, don't worry. And so for you, you could actually take these words out and you could insert in the blank whatever it is that you're worrying about. Something that's very important to note, I think is key here, is the tense of how he's saying this. He doesn't say, uh, don't worry about what you're eating or drinking or wearing. He says, don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Meaning that so much of our worry is tied to the future. So much of the things we're worrying about have not happened in our lives. So they're things that we don't want to happen. Things that we fear could happen, but they haven't happened today. But yet we are, we are so focused ahead with this future worry that it's robbing us of the, of the present. What you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Worrying about the future is a waste of the present. Right, right now, you could be experiencing peace and joy and, and the, the things that God has provided today, but so often we allow ourselves to be robbed because we're worrying about things that could happen in the future. Pastor Rick Warren says that worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. And so do you want to invest in something and allow yourself to be robbed for something that might not ever even happen? Quit robbing yourself of the present because you're so much worrying about the future. Then he says this um, later in that verse. He says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Meaning that you are more than your worries. Your, your life is more than the things that you are spending time worrying about. Now, a lot of times it doesn't feel that way. We, we let ourselves get so consumed with what's going on, so consumed with fear and worry and anxiety that the, at the end of our week, if we were to look back and take stock, our life feels like the sum total of the things we're worrying about. But Jesus is saying that's not the case. You may be giving all your energy and time to that, but your life is more than that. You are more than what you are worried about. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 26 through 30. And he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add even a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, but yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So he compares us to two different things, to the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Birds don't possess the skills that we possess. They don't have the ability to to store away, and they they don't have our knowledge and our resources. They're, They're not more capable than us, but yet they never go hungry. They never go without. On the, on the totem pole of relational priority, we're way up here at the top with God. Birds are, are seemingly insignificant. He loves them, but they're, they're way beneath us. But yet they get fed. They never go without. He, he takes care of them. He provides for them. So how much more should we believe that he's going to provide for us? Right? Then, then he, he compares us to the flowers or the grass of the field and and, you know, they don't have the abilities we have. They're, they are a fragile thing here today and gone tomorrow. And, and yet he compares them to Solomon, who in all of his, his glory and his riches and his wisdom and everything else, he never was clothed as beautiful as the flowers of the field. That's, that's you know, flowers. That's, that's low on the pole as well. But yet God provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Do you not believe that he would provide so much more for you as his children? Where we live, um, there's, you know, I, I see a lot of animals from time to time. And I don't live on a farm. I don't live, you know, out on land. I live pretty close into town. But, you know, it's just the nature of Florida. You get to see different wildlife. And so there's a fox that I've seen around our house and armadillos and family of squirrels. And there's this hawk that always shows up. I've talked about him before. And it's, I've found myself on multiple occasions, either on my porch or just standing outside, observing these creatures and thinking to myself, they've got it so easy. Like, they've got everything they need, not a care in the world, just enjoying life, living around my neighborhood, and, and God's providing perfectly for them. And in my backyard, there, we have a pool, and around our pool, there's like nine big palm trees that the previous owners had planted there. There's a family of squirrels that inhabits these trees, and at first, I thought they were adorable. Oh, look at these, look at these squirrels, so carefree. And then one day, I realized these weren't regular squirrels. They're, they're what you call demon-possessed squirrels. <laughs> I caught them pooping in my pool and, 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 and making messes in, in my flower beds and, and leaving these track prints all over my white pool deck. And I was like, you know what? I've had a, enough of these squirrels. And so I decided to take matters into my hands to um, eradicate part of their population. And so if, you, if you're an animal lover, I apologize. But again, these were demon-possessed squirrels. <laughs> And so with squirrels, sometimes all you have to do is just take out one of them, and they all get the hint, right? Suddenly, you, you know, just, just one's gone, and the rest are like, we're out, you know? They, they, they spread the word to their friends, and now I could be walking on the other side of the neighborhood, and they pop their head up, and they're gone. It's like, they, they've heard about me. And so if, if they didn't have anything to worry about prior, they do now. But in a general sense, the, the, the creatures that God has created, which are so much uh, lower on, on the value scale than us, he provides for them. Okay? And he's going to provide for us. And think about children. Children are dependent upon their parents. It's, it's tax season. And so hopefully most of you have done your taxes. If you haven't, you've got a couple days or you need to file an extension. But if you have kids, you, you can usually you get a, a tax break, right? Because they are your dependents. They are dependent on you. You are responsible for the welfare of their life. And because of that, you, you, know, you get a little deduction for that. But children being dependent upon their parents, they usually they don't have any worries. 
They're not worried about their meal or, or, or where they're going to lay their head or their clothes. They're not worried about ISIS or the stock market or the elections. Those things don't matter to them because they are under the covering of their parents. Their parents provide for them. They, they live in the world in which their parents have created for them. And so for my kids, I am their covering. I am their father. Their welfare is my responsibility. And I can look at them and I realize they are not worried about anything. They assume, and they have every right to assume, that I'm going to provide what they need. Okay, so look at it this way. You are a dependent upon your heavenly father. And your welfare is his responsibility. So you have every right to assume that he is going to provide everything that you need. Everything that you need. Because he's the one responsible for your welfare, that's why it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, to cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Meaning, don't worry about that. I'll handle that. Don't, don't carry that. I, I, I will lift that for you. Just give it to me. That's what he's saying. He wants to be the one who cares for us. But so often when we worry, we're holding all that to ourselves and carrying a burden that we're not meant to carry. He says in verse 27, he says, Can any one of you by worrying add even a single hour to your life? Now, we've already established that worry robs us of the present. So no, it's not adding a single hour to our life. In essence, what Jesus is asking is, what has your worry ever done for you? What good has it ever accomplished? What clarity or, or, or peace or, or, or decision has it helped you to arrive at in your life? None. I don't think there's a person on this planet who could say, my life is so much better because of all the worrying that I've engaged in. And if that's you tonight, well, then I want to pray with you after service. But what has your worry done for you? Okay, so set that aside and then ask the question, what has God done for me? And as you begin to look at the faithfulness of God, even in the small ways, as you list those out, then it becomes like a, a, a list of pros and cons. And you see, God has been faithful in all these ways. My worry has never accomplished anything. So what am I wrestling with? Again, it goes back to ask that question, why worry? Why, why am I worrying? This doesn't make sense. God has done all this, and my worry has done nothing but steal and rob and, and, and introduce negativity into my life. Let's keep going. Verse 31, he says it again. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that you need them. Notice the future tense again. He's repeating the same needs, and he says, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. And then he says, the pagans, they run after these things, but your Father already knows what you need. Now, pagans here, this is not a, a negative or, or derogatory terminology. He's not saying like those heathens over there who don't know me. Really, he's just pointing out everyone else, they, 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 don't, they don't know better. They, they're worrying, they're, they're pursuing these things, they're trying to figure it out. But who he's talking to, us, reading it as to yourself, you know better. You don't need to be running around like everyone else trying to figure this out and carry these things on your own. And he's saying, you know better. You, your heavenly father knows what you need. And you need to know that he knows what you need. You know, there's something powerful about a whisper. You know, d d talking about a whisper, you know, just initially, you think, well, that's not powerful. It's very quiet. It's very fragile. And, and in our life, if there's a lot of noise and things going on, you can't hear a whisper. But if you block out the noise and you make effort to draw near to someone and hear what it is they're whispering to you, then that message comes through loud and clear. You can receive that message. 
And a lot of times in life, I think God is right there next to us. And he's whispering his promises to us. He's saying, I know what you need. Don't carry that. Don't worry about that. I've got you. I'm right here. But because of all the noise, because of all the worry and all the other things we're giving our attention and time to, we don't hear that whisper. My kids love to whisper. Kids in general, I think, love to tell secrets. And there's plenty of times where Katie and I will be laying in bed, going to sleep, watching a show, turn the light off. And all of a sudden, I, like, I feel this presence. If you're a parent, you might relate to this. I'm laying there, and I feel this presence, and I open my eyes, and there's Cora's little silhouette like six inches from my face, and my whole body jolts. It's like something off a horror movie. And then when you finally calm down, you're like, oh, it's just Cora. And she whispers to me, I need chocolate milk, or I have to go, I have to go potty, or whatever it is. It's just a reason to get out of bed. Gavin likes to whisper a lot, and, and a lot of times he'll be across the room, and he's saying something to me. And if I am just watching TV or if I'm engaged in another conversation, I'm not going to hear what it is he's trying to say. But if I mute the TV, I tell someone to hold on, and, I, and I, I make effort towards him and get on his level and listen to what it is he's trying to say to me, then I can hear that message. And I think we've got to be willing to, to block out the noise, to stop worrying so that we can hear the promises of God, what he's saying to us, in that still, small voice saying, I know what you need. He knows what you need. He's whispering that to you. And, and when you're on your commute and when you're laying in your bed, when you're sitting at your cubicle, wherever you're at, don't just imagine, oh, if God was here. God is with you. He's right next to you. He, he, he wants to do the heavy lifting. Whatever you're carrying, whatever you're facing, he's right there and he's whispering, I know what you need. I've got you. Okay? So in verse 33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So rather than run like, like the, everyone else, rather than run like the pagans, what if we were to just stop running and we were to seek, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Our attention is on the wrong thing. We're, we're worrying. We're taking matters into our hands, and he's saying, stop that. Don't run. Seek me. I'll take care of you. Verse 34, he says it for the third time. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, and each day has enough trouble of its own. Notice up until this point, he's listed off the worries. He said, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. He says it again. He says, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. This last time, he just sums it up, and he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. He relabels all those specific worries with the word tomorrow. We've established that most of our worries are rooted in tomorrow. They're rooted in the future. And if we were to list our worries, if I were to sit down with you and say, tell me your top 10 worries, I'm sure you could come up with 10. I'm sure you could categorize, prioritize, and alphabetize them for me. And when you do it that way, it's, it's very overwhelming. When you list out your worries, it's overwhelming. And you feel like you're in a fog. You feel like you're in a cloud. But if you were to just relabel them and not give place to them, not give a name to them, not give them priority in your life, but you just say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, sum it up in that word, suddenly it's not so overwhelming. Suddenly those stupid worries are not so big a deal. I read this quote recently, and it was perfect for this. It said, according to the U.S. Bureau of Standards, a dense fog covering seven city blocks at a depth of 100 feet when condensed into water wouldn't quite fill a drinking glass. Like fog, our worries can thoroughly block our vision of the light of God's promises. But in the final analysis, they have little substance to them. So imagine a fog. We've all driven in a fog. And, 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 and this is comparing one that's seven blocks, 100 feet in depth. 
That's pretty overwhelming. A lot of times in life, it can feel like we're walking through a fog. We can't see that far in front of us. We can't see what's going on around us. We're just overwhelmed by the fog of our worries. But yet when condensed into water, it can barely fill a glass. When relabeled tomorrow, it suddenly is not this extensive list. Suddenly, it doesn't hold much weight in our life. And I think we've got to relabel our worries. Stop giving them a name. Stop giving them a place. Condense them and realize these are not that big of a deal. And you, you could be sitting there and you say, you know what? It's, it's not that simple. Why should I listen to you? And hey, I'm just like anyone else. I, I deal with worry just like you do. And you know what? You don't, you don't have to listen to me because I don't... You know, on my own authority or my own knowledge, I, I don't really have much to give to you. But if you're not going to listen to me, at least listen to these nine verses from the Savior of the world. Jesus, who spoke with authority, who spoke with power, who didn't just say these things, but fulfilled his promises and enabled a way for us to actually walk these things out. He wouldn't call us to not worry if he wasn't going to give us the goods to say, you don't have to worry. I'm making it available to you so that you can walk in a life free from worry. He fulfilled these things. He didn't just predict his death, burial, and resurrection. He pulled it off. Okay, and so at this time, he's speaking to a crowd who has not yet seen his death, burial, and resurrection. But we stand on the other side of that. We've seen that he didn't just call it, but he went to the cross, he went to the grave, and then he rose again on the third day. And, and because of that resurrection power, we could say this guy is saying something that's worth listening to. When he says, do not worry, we do not have to worry. But here's the real problem. The problem itself isn't the problem, okay? And I'll explain this for a second. We have our problem that we're worried about. That's not really the problem. Your level of worry, that's not so much the problem. Trust is the problem. All right, let, let, let me back up. Your, your problem that you're worried about, that's not really the big deal. That's not the problem. Your constant worry, even that is not so much the problem. Trust is the problem. Your level of trust is the problem. And, and, and a lot of people would say that worry and trust are opposites. That if I'm not trusting, then it results and me worrying. And yes, that's true to a degree, but I believe we're always trusting in something. We're trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in others. We're trusting in our job. We're trusting in a, a, approval from, from peers. We're trusting in all these other things. And so really, I believe worry is a result of misplaced trust. Worry is, is not necessarily a result of no trust. It's a, it's a result of misplaced trust, meaning that you're trusting in anything or anyone else other than God. Worry is a result of misplaced trust. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This is Paul writing. Paul had way more reason to worry than, than we could ever imagine. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry about anything, but in every situation, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to yourself, to others. No, present your requests to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, our worry, yeah, there's always going to be problems in our life. 
Yeah, there's always going to be potential to worry about something, but ultimately our worry stems from the fact that we're putting our trust in the wrong things. And so I believe the solution to that is that we redirect our trust to the only one who's trustworthy, right? There's only one who's fully trustworthy. As, as dependents, it is our Father, the one whom we depend on, who is responsible for our welfare. And so in order to redirect that trust and to place it in the one who is capable of carrying the things that we've tried to carry, I believe only one response is appropriate, and that is a heart of worship. If you are in fear, I encourage you to worship. If you are worrying, I encourage you to worship. Our worship is the antidote to our worry. Now, let's be real. Are there times in your life where you've not felt like worshiping? There's been times I've come to church, my heart's not there, I've got other stuff going on, I'm in that fog, I don't feel like worshiping. But you see, here's the thing about worship, it's not about our feelings. It's not about the way we feel. Our worship is a response to a good God for what he's done, for what he's doing, and what he's capable to do in our lives. And when we respond to him out of surrender and out of a place of trust, it puts everything into its proper place. Suddenly, uh, it it puts things in the proper order, our place in relation to God, how little our problems are in relation to his power. Our worship is the antidote to our worry. And so I didn't want to go through this tonight and give you that key without giving you the opportunity to lay down your worry and to respond to God, to show that you trust him from a place of worship. Go ahead and stand with me tonight. The worship team is come back up. And we're just going to spend a few moments tonight ending this right. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you're carrying. Choose now to respond to him for his goodness. Not because of the day you had or what you did or didn't do or, or the things you've been worrying about. Respond to him for who he is. I believe he'll meet you where you're at. He'll shower you with peace. He'll shower you with grace, with comfort, with everything that you're needing because our worship is the antidote to our worry. Let's choose right now to respond and to trust him. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MBC Ocala. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MBC Ocala.